Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. And this is Jill, and I'm here by myself today doing a solo episode. So we're going to talk today all about time management. So normally, when we hear this topic, it's kind of like a snooze fest, right? Like we all say like, oh yeah, yeah, time management, energy management, except for the fact that people are really struggling with this. So you guys know I have a a business course called The Best of You, and we're in month number three of that course. And what's happening is a lot of people are trying to add additional hours to build their online business on top of an already packed schedule. So it's not just for people who are trying to build a business, but maybe you are you know, a full-time parent or you have family obligations, priorities, full-time job, and you're trying to balance all of these things. So we actually asked in a poll on Instagram if people would rather see a podcast on time management or on the comparison trap. And honestly, time management was far and away the thing that you guys are asking for. We'll probably end up doing another episode on the comparison trap later, but I wanted to share with you some of the tools and techniques that I use. So a lot of times I get people asking me, wow, Jill, you're so productive, or you just seem to be taking so much action. And you guys know that that action is definitely one of my main priorities when it comes to how I like to be productive and how I like to spend my day. But at the same time, I definitely want to make space for social time with friends and family and travel. So for me, if I'm looking at what I consider to be the best life, yes, work hard, but also rest hard and also play hard. And so for me, it's those three things. I like to work hard and I like to rest hard and I also like to play hard. And for me, that means I need to have some balance in my life. And balance is one of those words that gets tossed around all the time. And hopefully today on the podcast, I'm going to be able to kind of clear that that kind of term up and also put some tools and strategies to that so you can see what this looks like in practice. It's been a practice for me. I know that sometimes it can be really hard, especially if you're looking at someone's life who they seem to be able to get a lot done. And they also have plenty of time for play and travel and family. But here's the thing that a lot of times we miss. When it comes to being productive, which is what I would consider to be ener- like managing my energy appropriately, when it comes down to being productive, a lot about it's about focus, isn't it? And focus is oftentimes about saying no or about knowing the things that you're the best at and really focusing on where your zone of genius is and allowing for the other stuff. Maybe it's a weakness of yours. Maybe it's definitely not a strength to be taken care of either by someone else or honestly, like just not getting done. And so people always ask me, like, how do you get so much done? And to be honest with you, a lot of things just don't get done, but I've relegated those into the like, don't need to be done, not urgent, et cetera. So today I want to outline five tools or strategies that can help us get a little bit more centered when it comes to time management energy management and productivity. So the first thing to note is what is the difference? When we talk about time management, are we really talking about time? You might've heard people say, it's not that you have no time, it's that you have no priorities or you're not working where you say your priorities lie. So when people say to me, I don't have time to exercise, 
maybe what they mean is I just have not made exercise a priority because I certainly find time to, you know, I don't know, uh, make this certain food or go to the movies or watch television. And by the way, you guys, I'm not making a judgment about how you spend your time. For you, that is 100% to be autonomous. You get to create that. For me, I have the structure that I use for what I consider to be top priorities. I'm going to give you some insight into that, but I don't, I would never judge how you spend your time. First of all, I don't have children, so just want to kind of get that out of the way first. I know for a lot of you guys, if you're a mom or a dad, you know, this is a huge part of your life that I don't actually have that. I, have, I don't have that experience. So I want you to take this with a grain of salt. But there's a lot of tools and techniques that I do use that regardless of your situation can translate across. So what's the difference? Is it time management we're talking about or is it energy management? So I read a book a while back, and I think I mentioned this before, and it is called The Power of Full Engagement by Tony Schwartz and Jim Lair. And this book totally changed how I perceived time and energy. Before, I was someone who was super busy. So, and I prided myself on that. If I'm really honest with myself, I really prided myself on being busy. I had one of those calendars. First of all, there was no calendar that could even handle my schedule. So I had to make my own in an Excel spreadsheet where I had every single 15 minutes blocked off from 6 a.m. to like 8 p.m., right? It was just from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it was, it was, blocked down into 15 minute chunks because I'd be like, I have to drive from home to the gym and that's 15 minutes. And I honestly love the idea of having every single minute of my day planned out. It made me feel very organized. And I still think that's a good approach, except for the fact that for me, being busy was a badge of honor. It was really about if I'm busy and my time is just filled up, that means that I'm being productive. The problem was often I would get to the end of the day and go like, I don't even know what I did today. Like, what did I just do? I just ran around like a chicken with my head cut off and I didn't actually get done the things that I wanted to get done. So first of all, this is a difference between being busy and being productive. And you guys know that there's a huge difference. And so this book that I read really just advocated for productivity over being busy. And in order to do that, this is so interesting because if you fall into my moderation stuff, you know, I talk about preemptive cheats. This is called like what I would consider to be preemptive downtime. So they have something in the book called basically oscillating energy times where when you're working, you're fully focused on your work. This is what I would consider to be a block time. So for example, maybe for you, it's in the morning, maybe it's at night, maybe it's at lunchtime. You have a dedicated one or two hour block where you're going to be hyper-focused on the thing that you say that you want to do. So for me, maybe it is you know creating a new email campaign or maybe it's coaching my clients or maybe it is writing a newsletter to my email list or maybe it's writing a social media post or creating a blog or doing a video, right? So I have these like big chunks of things that I just need to get done. And so what I'll do during block time is I will carve those chunks out I turn off social media, I turn off, you know, internet if I need to, put my phone on silent and I go to work. So if I'm writing something or doing a project, I work hardcore. But here's the reason why I can be productive in that moment or in that hour or two is because then I have scheduled downtimes. I have strategic downtimes placed in my day. So maybe going for a leisure walk, maybe going to the gym for a workout, maybe just, you know, sitting quietly on a couch or reading for a half an hour. And honestly, if you're listening to this and going, well, gee, Jill, that sounds like a luxury. I wish I could lay on the couch for 20 minutes and read a book. You have, you have got to figure out ways to create strategic downtime in your day, however that looks. So if you work at a desk job, you might need to head outside for your lunch hour for 20 minutes to be alone. You might have to go on a leisure walk on your lunch hour, even if you don't quite feel like it, because these things 
what they do is they're little mental resets. And when I first heard about these, I was like, that's a waste of time. I just was sort of like, like, there's no way I'm going to be, you know, going on an hour long leisure walk at two in the afternoon. Like, are you kidding me? That's like prime time work time. The problem was that staring me in the face was a full schedule with very little productivity. I was checking things off of a checklist. I was like, go pick up the dry cleaning, you know, go, uh, you know, do this, do that, make the food, like all this kind of stuff. I was getting these little things done, but my big projects were always put on hold because I wasn't giving myself dedicated work time that I could be super focused and dedicated downtime that felt in the moment so lazy. I felt like it was so lazy to read a book or to write in my journal or go for a 20 minute leisure walk. It felt like it was the biggest waste of time. However, I could not argue with the results. I couldn't argue with the results. And the results were that I was getting so much more work done because I was so laser focused when I sat down to do the work. And so a lot of this comes down to how you structure your day and how you structure your week. They've been, they've shown in research and we don't like to, you know, we don't like that this is a truth, but they've actually shown in research that multitasking is not actually advantageous. So we think like, okay, I'm going to work on my computer while also, you know, talking to someone over here and listening to this podcast at the same time. And what happens is we don't do any of those things really well. And so as much as we want to be able to multitask, we don't really do any of those things well when we're trying to. So it's one task for one moment in time. And then it's the next task for the next moment in time. And so a lot of times we have to figure out ways to dedicate specific hours in the day to one single project. And then again, placing that strategic downtime throughout the day. So for me, I oscillate between block time and downtime. And normally because I work from home, because I work for myself, it's a little bit different. But what I do is I usually have two to three block times a day. Block time is again, that like one to three hours of hardcore work. And the reason why I can be so productive, it might take someone else a week to do, I can get it done in three hours because I'm so hyper-focused. Everything else is off, but I'm really focused. My Mentally, I'm there. I'm good. My blood sugar is balanced, all that kind of stuff because I took that downtime. So I focus and I have two to three block times per day. And I figure out when is my most creative time. So for me, I have a big chunk in like the, early, the late morning and I have another one usually at night around like five or six. And so for me, I usually have my webinars and things like that around five or six. And then I schedule like from like maybe 11 to two. And then sometimes early morning, like five to 7 a.m. Just depends on the day. And so I have these block times. In between the block times, I schedule in downtime. Downtime looks like going for a leisure walk. It looks like hitting the gym. It looks like playing with my puppy. It looks like reading a book. These things that help recharge and reset my brain so that when I come back to work, I feel that much more focused. And they've actually shown a research that these downtimes do not need to be hours long. They can literally be 15 or 20 minutes, even 10 minutes of meditation or journal writing or just sitting quietly, right? When was the last time you just sat quietly on the couch for 10 minutes? I don't know about you, but like when you do that, when you come back to your work, you're going to be a lot more focused. So these little mental resets throughout the day and they do not need to be long. So look at your schedule and go, okay, can I afford to take 10 minutes? And here's the thing, you guys, if you can afford to take 20 minutes of downtime, I guarantee you the time it takes to do the thing that you need to get done will shrink in half. A lot of times it takes us way longer than we have to because we're doing three things at once. When you're available and you have the luxury of focus, it gets done so much faster. So on average, I probably work about six hours a day. 
probably work about six hours a day, Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I work an hour or two. And so for me, it's it wasn't always like that, of course, but now I'm so much more focused. And I'm getting a lot more done. The second piece is how do I schedule my week so that I'm not constantly switching gears, right? So if every single day you're trying to write and do a Facebook live and go and do your regular job and train clients and teach a class and take care of your family, like all this kind of stuff. There's non-negotiables in there. Like you have to obviously take care of your family and you know, you have to make make sure the food is there and all that kind of stuff. But if you can choose one mode of creativity per day. So for me personally, what I do is I do all my writing, my longer writing on Mondays. Then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I do all my appointments. So anytime someone wants to meet up with me and they want to meet at one o'clock, I'm like, okay, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those are my days. I do all my coaching calls on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I do all my webinars on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I do all my podcast interviews on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because anytime there's a time on my calendar that someone needs to meet with me, for whatever reason in my brain, I have a hard time doing anything else if I know I have an appointment. So I do all my appointments on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And for me, those end up being really long days, but it's a totally different way of working. I'm like, I'm showing up, I'm coaching, I'm doing a webinar, I'm teaching. There's no creative work really. I'm just like teaching and I'm coaching and I'm like in the grind with my clients. And Tuesdays and Wednesdays are awesome. I feel super inspired, but I don't do any creative work on those days. On Thursdays, I've put those aside for podcasting like this, doing podcasts or doing filming. So if I'm doing a lot more YouTube videos now, so I have I have a standing appointment with my videographer on Thursdays, and I usually you know take a shower and blow out my hair and get real clothes on because I'm doing video on Thursdays and I don't have to get ready every single day. I just on Thursdays have to make sure that I you know I'm ready for camera. So. Thursdays, I do more like creative work, but video podcasting. And then Friday's kind of like a wrap up day. That's like any loose ends, maybe some administrative stuff. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I'm pretty much off except for social media. And those days, I just kind of do what I want when I want. And so I'm trying to, because here's the thing, if you're a personal trainer and you're in the gym and you are teaching and you are also training clients, that's a very different way of working when you come home and you're trying to write an email to your list, or you're trying to be creative and innovative in a social media post, those are really two ways of two different ways of thinking. And I know for someone who's grinding it out in the gym, doing the fitness hustle, like I was for a lot of years, switching gears and trying to be like someone super innovative, like your brain is just dead. I remember getting home from clients at like nine o'clock at night and not even having a thought in my brain. And so what I would recommend you guys do is try to get more of the creative work on certain days and the grind client work on other days. So that might look like maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you try to batch as many possible clients as you possibly can. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you try to keep those days as open as possible. Maybe you take morning clients, but you're done by 11 or 12, and then you have the whole rest of the day to be creative. Because it's not just the time it takes to write a blog or the time it takes to create a social media post. It's the time around it that you have to switch gears. You might need some downtime. You have to go work out. You have to eat. You have to take care of some family's like, priorities, right? And then you're like, okay, finally, I can sit down and be creative. And that takes some time. So number one is the difference between energy management and time management. You know, I felt super like lazy and guilty for starting to take downtime until I started to see that I was that much more productive. So give yourself permission. And this book, by the way, uh, The Powerful Engagement, really gave me the permission to finally start taking some downtime. And my friends and my, you know, I, I still have some friends that are just, they're busy bees. They always have to be moving and they don't understand like when I'm just literally laying on the couch reading a book, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel good enough to them 
But what feels good enough to me is when at the end of the week, I've done so many big projects. I've gotten all of them done. And I feel like, wow, I'm so productive and I hardly work this week. And I know this is so counterintuitive and you might be rolling your eyes at me and that's totally cool. So if you are, I would definitely recommend grabbing this book, The Powerful Engagement by Tony Schwartz and Jim Lair. I'll make sure we have it in the show notes because it totally, totally, totally changed how I looked at things. Blocktown and downtime. All right. Number two is something I call anchor actions. Anchor actions are things that you do daily that leverage your energy. So for example, you know, most of us, we go through our day, we probably do a hundred things, right? We like, we make breakfast, we might journal, we uh, have the, we have commute to work, we talk to a coworker, we have check our email, we do social media, we're on Facebook. We have like a million things that we do every day. However, not all of, most of those are going to be draining to us. They've shown in willpower research, this is called decision fatigue, right? We make all these decisions constantly. We literally make thousands, if not tens of thousands of decisions every single day. What to eat for breakfast, what to wear, what to, what to say, what to, how to approach this, what should I say to my boss? Like all these kind of little tiny decisions. And it's called decision fatigue. So by the end of the day, we are mentally tapped out. We're mentally tapped out. So just like I was talking about downtime, Anchor actions are things, and I just put a cap on it for three things that I do consistently every day that give energy back to me. So this would be a form of downtime for me. So I have three, my three things, and the reason why these are so important is because they always give me energy back and they always make me feel focused when I sit down to work. The first is I weight train at least 30 minutes a day. Right, so maybe I take a couple of days off, but most of the time I focus on weight training centric exercise, a minimum 30 minutes a day. I don't have to be in there for hours, but 30 minutes is what I need. I go to the gym, I focus, I do weight training and I get out and I come back to my desk and I'm that much more productive. Second thing is I do take a leisure walk every day, a minimum of 30 minutes. So again, this might feel like a luxury to you and it doesn't have to be leisure walking. It can be anything that's going to give you energy back. Whenever I leisure walk and I come back, in fact, I just got back from one and I sat down a podcast and I'm laser focused, is that 30 minute walk can be longer. Sometimes I'll do an hour or longer than that, but 30 minutes minimum to give myself a mental reset. The third thing is I get eight hours of sleep non-negotiable, eight hours of sleep. Sure. Sometimes if I'm traveling or something's going on, I'll get less. But if I am home, I'm getting eight hours of sleep. And again, it might sound like a luxury to you, but I don't worry about other stuff. I don't worry about, you know, alcohol. I don't worry about, you know, eating a little bit of sugar. I don't worry about, did I take all my supplements today? I don't worry about like, you know, just uh, making all my food and counting my protein grams and doing all this other kind of stuff. I focus on these three things. These are my anchor actions because when I do them consistently, I am able to stay focused and be productive at work. And so think about what are the things that when you do them regularly, when you really get, this is like self-care, right? When you give yourself over to these things, you feel like a champ. It's a little mental reset. You come back to your work and you feel that much better. So anchor actions are key. So for me, they're non-negotiable. Even if I'm launching something and I'm working round the clock, if it is 10 o'clock at night, I go to bed. I'm like, I'll deal with this at 6 a.m. when I wake up. And so finding that thing, it might not be sleep for you. It might not be leisure walking for you. It might not be training with weights for you. But what are other ways? Maybe it's stretching and doing yoga. Maybe it's uh, rolling out. Maybe it's getting a massage once a week. How are you structuring your days and your weeks so that you have these built-in actions that do leverage? Anchor actions are key. What are those three things for you? And they're going to be unique to everyone. Okay, number three 
This is a really tough one because this can feel, again, like a luxury, and that is outsourcing. Outsourcing and trying to find other ways to get things done that doesn't rely 100% on you. This is tough because if you're anything like me, you might be a recovering perfectionist. Maybe you like to have control of things. That is definitely me. I'm a definitely a recovering kind of type A personality where I like to be in control of everything. So giving other, you know, giving things in my life to other people and delegating and outsourcing and trusting them enough to do the things. You've all heard the thing, if you want something done, you have to do it yourself. Uh, Yes, to a certain degree, but here's where the nuance comes in. I think that each one of us has a zone of genius. Zone of genius, what are you the best at? Where are you, uh, when you show up there, you are just in your element, you're in flow. For me, my zone of genius is content creation. I love writing, I love doing these podcasts. I love speaking. I love doing video. I love thinking about stuff. And I like then communicating the things that I'm thinking on the internet. And so for me, my zone of genius is in content creation, whatever that looks like, and communication. So there are things in my life that simply either don't get done or I've given them to someone else. And this is where you really have to be discerning and you have to pick and choose your battles And so a lot of times you might even have to try and figure out a way to make extra cash to be able to do this. So I'll tell you my first example. When I was personal training 60, 70, 80 hours a week in the gym, and I was just hustling, 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 taking any amount of money that anyone would throw at me, uh, training people at any time of day, I was in running around in scarcity. I was just trying to make as much money as possible. I always felt like my clients were about to leave me. And something changed when I read the four-hour work week from Tim Ferriss. We've mentioned that in the podcast before. And I started making changes to my schedule to open up big time chunks so I could create online content. And at the same time, I was trying to figure out ways that I could offload some things. And so I looked around, what was the things that I was doing? So here's what you can do. Take out a piece of paper and I want you to write down everything that you do on a typical day. So if there's cooking or there's cleaning or there's errands, like all those kind of things, as well as working in your zone of genius. And to be honest with you, I I don't think that most people's zone of genius is running errands. So are there ways that you can honestly like pay a high school student to run errands for you? Or even if you're in a, in a business, maybe even getting an intern to help you out with some administrative stuff. For me, I know my zone of genius is not in the following. It is not in cooking. It is not in cleaning. And it is not in administrative tasks. And so I've had to look at how, even in that time where I was running around and I didn't have much money, I was like, how can I make an extra $50 a week how can I make an extra $50 a week so that I can hire someone to come and clean my place for me? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing that we miss. This is the problem. This is the reason why we all feel so busy all the time. It's not just the time it takes to clean your house, right? So if I clean my entire place, it would probably take me like two hours. But it's not just the two hours that this this is stealing from me. It's all the time and mental energy thinking about having to do the thing. So for example, maybe I'm like, okay, on Sunday, I'm going to clean my entire house. Top to bottom, I'll do it on Sunday. And the whole week I'm thinking about it. And then I'm like kind of starting to dread it. And I'm like, oh, I got to spend all day Sunday cleaning. I used to feel this way about prepping food until I stopped doing that as well. And I remember just, so it's not just the time it takes to clean. It's the hours around that time about thinking about it and trying to like motivate for it and dreading it and all this kind of stuff. And so if you could give yourself that time back, not just doing the act, but also the dreading of it, right? For these things that we're not crazy about, 
And then asking yourself, how can I, can I pull money from somewhere else? Do I have an intern or a high school student or someone who can help me with this? And so for me, I was literally like, can I make an extra $50 a week to pay someone to come and clean once a week? And I did. And, you know, I know people are different, charge different amounts. I'm sure you could find someone at 50 bucks for, you know, an hour, two hours of their time to come and clean your place. Uh, And then ask yourself like, okay, can I, you know, create some sort of ebook on the internet or some sort of exercise program or take an extra client or, you know, maybe even do open up my distance clients online to make $50. That's $200 a month. How can I make an extra $200 a month? How, How can I pull or can I sell some stuff? right? So Danny has Find the Money Project, which is a free program. You guys should make sure you sign up for that because people are finding up to $1,800 in two weeks. So that is the way that you can start to make the cash to be able to offload some of this stuff. There are websites out there, things like Upwork, things like uh, TaskRabbit, and then also like food delivery places and things like we have here in LA, we have what's it called? Like uh, Instacart. Like, of course, if you're not in somewhere like Los Angeles or New York or somewhere central like that, totally cool. You might not have access to this stuff. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't clean if you love cleaning. I'm not saying that you shouldn't cook your food if you love cooking. But if you're someone like me who really is not good at it and had no desire to become good at it, figuring out workarounds. So can you get a meal delivery service? Can you literally find someone in your neighborhood who's maybe, you know, maybe has a, more time than you and loves to cook to make some meals for your family for the week? And so this is tough because we, especially as women, we have a lot of just weird shame and guilt around some of these things. So I remember, you know, feeling really guilty at first that I wasn't cleaning my own house. And when I started, when I decided to give up cooking every week, like on Sunday, it would literally take me all day to cook my meals for the week. And I'm not saying it's actually healthier to not cook. I do think it's healthier to cook your meals. But if you're someone like me who's not good at it and was kind of dreading it, and I can find ways to still be healthy, still be fit, still eat really healthy with someone else either making my meals or or ordering out, dining out, getting salads at the grocery store, doing protein shakes and protein bars and some of these more convenience type things it's okay. And it was hard at first because I felt a lot of shame around that. I felt like I should be cooking my own meals and I should be cleaning my own house. And so I want you to ask yourself, should you bring up your weaknesses or play to your strengths? And for me, honestly, it's about playing to my strengths and letting my weaknesses just be weaknesses. That's okay. Not everyone is a gourmet cook or has the time or even desire to cook all their food. So I'm just, I know a lot of you guys have families and so you have to provide for them. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I think there are workarounds. There are ways that I know a lot of moms who are cooking multiple different things because kids won't eat certain things. And I'm not assuming to know what that's like, but I do think that there is some wiggle room there. To, that can save you time. So is it finding things that your kids like that you could also eat? Uh, is it about introducing some new foods to them? Is it about, you know, getting creative in the kitchen or even have, again, like doing things like healthy takeout or doing things like salads from the grocery store, or doing more convenience type options that again, might cost a little bit more, but if you can figure out a way to, and, and I'll, I'll give you this insight. When I started choosing time over money, that's when my entire life changed. And it was a slow change, but that's when things started really changing for me. When I started going, you know what? Instead of trying to take on this client who's going to give me 30 bucks for the hour, can I not take that client on? 
lose that 30 bucks, but be able to use that time more effectively to create something for my online business. This is about leverage. And this is about figuring out, again, working in your zone of genius and not feeling guilt and obligation that you have to do every single little thing in your life. You definitely do not have to. So can someone else do the yard work? Can someone else, you know, order the things? If you are someone who's just getting started and you have have some, you know, maybe you have someone manage your email for you. Maybe you have like, you know, you don't have to. My my first uh, quote assistant was my mom. <laughs> she was amazing. Not everyone has that capability, but she had just retired. And I was like, hey, if you want like to help me out, because I was just getting started, I would love for you to handle my email. It takes like 30 minutes a day because at that time I wasn't getting much email. She was like, great. And it was cool because then we worked together. And then after that, my next assistant was someone I did a trade with. So I didn't even hire, I didn't even actually pay someone until three assistants in. And so there are ways in which you guys can do trades, in which you can leverage people you know, have an intern on board that can take some of these things that you're just not good at. Like I know a lot of people who just haven't done their emails. They haven't done those because they're like, oh, I feel like I should answer my own emails. Why? It's like you can train someone to do that. Sure. Does it maybe take a little time at the beginning? Yes, but it's going to end up leveraging eventually. So the third is outsourcing. And for us recovering perfectionists and type A personalities and people who like control freak types, this is a really good practice. And to be honest with you, I am still working on this practice. There are a lot of things in my business that I'm trying to outsource, that I'm trying to figure out a way to get someone. And it's hard because, you know, part of us doesn't trust that someone's going to do as good of a job. And so that is just a practice. And me having the full experience, bringing additional people into my team, getting them trained and then seeing how it goes, right? And giving up that control. But in response to that, I'm getting a lot of my time back so I can work again in my zone of genius. All right. So that brings me into my fourth one, which is some of the mindset stuff. So getting over shame, right? Getting over shame and guilt and obligation for doing all the things all the time, having to do it. I have a lot of moms who just like aren't PTO moms, right? Or PTA moms. They're just like, you know what? I'm just not gonna, I don't really feel the compel, like don't feel compelled to be a PTA mom or I'm gonna go to all the meetings and do all things. Doesn't mean they're a bad mom. They just decided to offload that off their plate. They do other things to make their kids feel appreciated, to support the school, to do whatever. So are there ways in, like, look at your schedule, look at look at your calendar right now, open up the next month, and is there a thing or a couple things in your schedule that you are dreading, that you are just absolutely dreading? And then ask yourself, like, is there an opportunity to not do that? Would it be okay to not do that? Did I, is there a conversation I can have to get out of that? It doesn't make you a quitter, by the way. This is something that I hear from people all the time. They go, well, I want to make sure I do it myself because I don't want to be a quitter. To me, it's not quitting. It is smart strategy. And so the, the fourth thing, again, is mindset, getting over that shame, that guilt, and honestly getting to the point of just like saying, fuck it, and working in your zone of genius, not necessarily trying to bring up your weaknesses, but do play to your strengths, doubling down on those strengths, and allowing for the chips to fall. So when I offloaded my cooking, like people still are like incredulous that I don't cook my food. And here's the thing. I'm not saying cooking, not cooking is healthy. I've been able to figure out a way to do it healthfully. But the idea of cooking all my food on a Sunday, literally just, I I can't even do that. To me, it's just, it's so out of the realm of what I want to be doing on my Sunday. I'd be better off literally just laying on the couch or reading books. That would be more advantageous to my productivity than cooking all my food on Sunday personally. And that's why I'm saying, look at your calendar and look at the things that are just not giving you any level of enjoyment 
And what are some workarounds there? What are some outsourcing? What are some mindset shifts even that you can make around those things? I have a lot of clients who once they just stopped cooking and cleaning, were like, this is amazing. But for whatever reason, there's this stigma around like we have to do it. Maybe it's, you know, your mother-in-law or like someone maybe older than you that makes you feel like you need to be doing those things. I think you need to audit your activities and go, which of these things am I just not crazy about? Sure, there's some things that like you just have to kind of push through, but there's a difference between doing something hard and doing something that makes you miserable. And so I would encourage you to start auditing your daily schedule, your weekly schedule, your monthly schedule, and start slowly ticking off the things that you dread and figuring out workarounds. Sometimes you might have to put a little bit of cash in there. Other times you can do trades. Other times, honestly, you guys, sometimes things just don't get done. And you would be surprised, (laughs) shocked to find out all the things that just don't get done and it's actually okay. Everyone survives, not a big deal. Some of this like silly stuff that I do is I take, when I take off dirty clothes, I put them right into the washing machine. I actually don't have a hamper. And I know, again, situations are different for different people, but I just take off my dirty clothes and put them right into the washing machine. So I don't have a hamper. I don't have to worry about that. I'll dry my clothes and I'll take them out of the dryer. And normally I'll just like put them on my bureau or something. A lot of times I will just like wear those clothes. So yes, folding clothes and it's nice and it's neat and whatever. But you know, if you really needed to, you could get away without folding clothes and you could get away without having a hamper. And so you're just kind of like these steps that a lot of times you don't think about. What are ways that you can cut out the middleman? And a lot of times it's okay for some of the more traditional stuff to not get done and your entire world does not blow up. So I think allowing yourself to have that full experience is key. All right. And last but not least, number five is, this is is again a mindset one, but I want to touch upon this because I think it's really important. So some of the limiting beliefs that we have about time management, energy management. And you know, a lot of times, like I mentioned at the beginning, if we are really busy, we're someone who every time I talk to someone, they're like, oh my God, things are so busy. And they've actually shown a research that we say, well, I'll get to that when things settle down. But in reality, and research has shown this, things never settle down because it's a perception thing, isn't it? If things settle down, we try and fill them up. So if our schedule is curiously open, we will fill it with shit to do. And so the reality is that if we feel like we need to be busy in order to feel worthy, I'm going to say it again, if we feel like we need to be busy in order to be seen as worthy or even important, I know for me, having a packed calendar, packed schedule meant like I was someone who people relied on. I like that I was. Now ask any of my close family and friends and they can rely on me for uh, generosity, a place to stay, uh, you know, money if they need it. I am always, for my closest friends and family, I will be there for them. But if they're staying at my house, it is a DIY household. They know that if they come over, I want them to treat it just like their own house. They do their own laundry. They make their own coffee. They get, they order their own food. They do whatever it's been like. It's so open in that way because I know that if they're relying on me, I just won't handle it. I can't handle it. I refuse to handle it. So I think, you know, for me now, it's not about people needing me. In fact, I want people around me to be as autonomous as possible so that I can be as autonomous as possible. And so asking yourself, am I keeping my schedule busy because I just feel like I need that for my sense of self-worth? or I like when people need me. So if you ever say to me something like, well, Jill, you don't understand, everyone relies on me. I will understand that sentiment, but I'll also ask you to 
change that narrative because it's actually on you to change that narrative. And so busyness is a choice. And this is where it's a little bit of tough love and I get it. And you guys, I totally get this because I came from the world of busy. Literally my entire, again, my schedule packed from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Every 15 minutes was, was scheduled. And I like that in a sense. It made me feel organized and it made me feel needed and it made me feel busy and important. But I had to look at the reality, which is I, I was not productive. And so asking yourself, am I, if there's someone who is constantly relying on me, is it because on some level I need them to rely on me for a sense of self-worth? And I'm not judging this, by the way. We talked about this in the boundaries episode. It's not about bad or good or right or wrong. It's just that realize you actually have ownership there. You actually can change something to your advantage there. If there's someone who is relying on you so heavily, it might be a disservice to both of you. And so if you feel like that, ask yourself, is this limiting belief that I need to feel busy in order to feel important? Honestly, my personal preference is when people when people ask me, like, hey, Jill, how's it going? You know, been busy lately? And literally, I want to say like, nope, not that busy. But I still want to be productive, right? Like I still want to uh, have the impact that I have. And I still want to be productive and get all the stuff done and make all the money. But I want to also be seen as someone who has leisure time and someone who does lay on the couch every once in a while. I like that. I want that. I want to be an example of that because I do think it's possible. Does it take time? Sure. But it, it, over time, making these small changes a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you can have a completely different reality if you so choose to. And so limiting belief of, you know, I need to feel busy to feel worthy. And the second piece, this is what can be really scary. The second kind of limiting belief that I see quite a bit with women is if they do offload some of this other stuff and it opens up their schedule to do the things they actually want to do. There's a fear of success there, right? There's a fear that like, oh God, if I don't have all these distractions, I'm going to have to actually do the thing that I have been putting off for so long. And that could be really scary. I might actually be successful. And if I am successful, then now I'm, I have more responsibility. There's more accountability there. More people are looking to me. So if you're like a lot of my clients are trying to build their online business, they're trying to do social media, they're trying to build their platform, but they're bogged down with clients and family obligations and the PTA meetings and all these little things that again, I'm not saying they're not valid, but a lot of them can just be excuses for not doing the big thing that they want to do, which is build their online business. Because if their time opens up, there's no excuse to not have created the product or the service or the thing that you want to create online. And here's the thing, if you're successful, now all of a sudden more people are looking, right? There's a bigger, there's a bigger amount of space to, to fall from. It's higher. And so there's accountability there. There's responsibility there. I look at the fear of success just on the opposite side of the coin of fear of failure. So again, if we get to that pedestal, we get to that next level, that many more people are relying on us. There's further to fall if we do fail Fear of success, fear of failure, very similar. And because fear of success is just a version of fear of failure. And so ask yourself, am I keeping myself busy to avoid doing the thing that could potentially bring me the success that I say I want, but I keep choosing to not do it because I'm scared of that? And it's so valid, you guys. I'm not judging it, by the way. It's no good or bad or right or wrong. This is 100% about awareness. And I've certainly been there myself. But here's the insight I can give you. If you, rel you, know, if you resonate with this and you're like, you know what? I think I might be doing some of that. I think I might be just trying to stay busy to avoid 
the potential success I could have over in this realm. If you feel that and you resonate with that, I totally get that. But I want to give you this insight because I was too. And I still, by the way, no matter where you are, there's always somewhere further to go. There's always a next level. There's always the next scary thing. I've done several really scary things in the last six months. And it, and it doesn't get easier, but you start trusting yourself more. You did a little bit and then that little show of evidence that you did something gives you just that little bit of confidence to do the next thing. And then you can look back and go, okay, now I've done two big things. Well, maybe I could do this third thing because I've already done these two big things and that gives me that little bit of courage. So the idea of where maybe where you are now to like trying to like write a book or like land a television show feels like impossible. But if you are at a point where that becomes part of the realm of possibility for you, because you've already done so many things, you built your platform, you built your list, you put out a couple of products online, you're like, ooh, maybe I could get a television show. Maybe I could land a book deal because it's within your sights. So you have to get there. And I will tell you this, in my experience, you always will have the courage to make the next step. You will do it and you will pivot and you will figure it out and you will be strong enough to do it. So if you have a fear of success, I'm telling you right now, you might feel that way now, but when you get to that point, when you get to that next level, I guarantee you're going to be able to handle it just like you handled everything else. You're going to be able to handle it. Next level, going to be able to handle it. Next level, going to be able to handle it. Again, the feelings of fear and feeling scared are always going to be there, but you trust yourself more. You have a show of evidence now that you're confident. And so if you're starting to feel that way, totally get it. But number five is asking yourself, what are my limiting beliefs around time? When I keep saying, I have no time, I have no time, I have no time, don't be surprised when you have no time, right? It's, a, it's a, an affirmation of, I have no time, I'm the busiest person on earth. Guess what? If that's where your sense of self-worth lies, then don't expect to have an open schedule at any point. So you have to ask yourself, like, do I really want this? And where have I been focusing on things that really don't matter? where I've been doing things that I can outsource, where I have I been trying to be busy instead of productive? Have I been working in my zone of genius? Is the way that I'm spending my time in alignment with the priorities I say I have? You say that, you know, being healthy is a priority of yours, yet you're not getting to the gym regularly. That's misalignment. That is misalignment that's incongruent. And so you have to just audit your time. Again, no bad, good, worse, you know, right, wrong. It's just about auditing and getting very clinical with this stuff. So just to summarize, running through these really quick, number one is the difference between energy management and time management, structuring your day, structuring your week so that you have those block times and you also have the downtime. This is not my number one tip that I can give you for being more productive, less busy, more productive. The second is anchor actions. Your anchor actions are, again, the three things, up to three, that you do every day that you focus on when you do them, it gives you energy back. It's not going to be everything. And what I usually say is, as for the rest, do your best, right? So, okay, I'm going to have a glass of wine. Not super ideal, definitely not giving me energy, but because I did the other three things, I did my anchor actions, I know that I'm still going to feel focused. The third is outsourcing and leveraging your time, working in your zone of genius, picking and choosing your battles, and then maybe even figuring out ways to make extra cash or do a trade to be able to open up your time. Number four is overcoming feelings of shame or guilt or obligation. And finally, getting to the place where you feel comfortable uh, doubling down on your strengths and not worrying about your weaknesses and maybe trying to figure out a workaround or literally, in my case, some things just don't get done. And that's okay too. Number five, 
is a mindset switch around your limiting beliefs? Do you have a belief around busyness that it gives you a sense of self-worth? Again, if it does, that's totally okay, okay but realize that that's what's perpetuating your, your having no time and not getting shit done. And then the second piece is, do you have a fear of success, which again is just an opposite side of the coin of fear or failure? Are you worried that if you have more time, you're going to be forced to do the thing that you say you actually want, but that you keep making excuses not to do. And then you might become a little bit successful and now you're on the hook more. And that can be fairly scary. And that's a very, very common story. So looking at and auditing the way you're spending your time and going, what pieces of this am I making up so that I can avoid doing the big thing that I actually say I want to do. So those are the five. Hopefully it helps you guys. We'll make sure to put the resources mentioned in the show notes, but I'd obviously love your feedback on this. If you have comments, some things maybe you're already doing here, or maybe things that are insightful for you or new information, ways that you can start to outsource ideas, please come into our closed Facebook group. It's thebestlifepodcast.com, thebestlifepodcast.com. Join our free Facebook group and give us some insight. This is a great time for us to share resources, to swap stories, to swap ideas about how we can start opening up our schedule more so we can actually get done the things that we say we want to do and be more productive than ever. All right, you guys, thanks so much for being on and uh, we'll see you next time. Talk soon.